This is Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you drive long haul, short haul, or heavy haul, they're here to empower and inspire women in the trades on TNCRadio.live. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy DeCaro. We're a show that works to inspire and empower women in trucking, in the trades, and every profession. We tackle all kinds of topics and work to encourage women to be their very best with informative guests and women who've been champions. I'm Shelley. And I'm Kathy. No topic is not allowed on our rig. We tackle the tough topics along with the not-so-tough topics. And we like to feature experts, champions, and celebrities who can assist women in being the very best they can be. Women who've been trailblazers are people we love to feature, especially those who have forged a path in a traditionally male occupation. Anne Butler Montgomery is one of these people. She's worked as a TV sportscaster, newspaper and magazine writer, teacher, author, and amateur sports official in major markets around the United States. She anchored the Emmy and Ace Award-winning Sports Center at ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut. She also had a two-year stint as the studio host for the NBA's Phoenix Suns. Anne is also a novelist, and she's taught sports reporting at Arizona State University's Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. As an amateur sports official for 40 years, she called baseball, ice hockey, soccer, and basketball games long before you saw a woman doing that. Anne is a true champion, and we're excited to have her on the show to learn more about her adventures and her victories. Welcome, Anne. Thank you for being on the show with us. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. So I thought maybe we could start with you telling us about your background and how you got into all of this. This is just marvelous. Well, well, originally I wanted to be a sports reporter, and that was totally absurd um, because it was the 1970s. And when my mother took me aside and said, so we have to pick a college, what would you like to be? I said, I'd like to be a sportscaster. And she said, don't be ridiculous. I'm trying to have a serious conversation with you. And I went, well, but that's what I want to be. Mom. And she was horrified. And, and it happened because I wanted to be an Olympic gold medalist in ice skating. I was an extremely mediocre ice skater, but it gave me that desire, you know, to stand on the podium, you know, with a gold medal. I was no good. And I, my parents were very good about this. I hated them at the time, but they said, you're not going to be a skater for a living. And so I skated, but I, unlike a lot of the other ice skaters, I had all the freedom in the world to be in theater and, and go to Girl Scout camp and, and go to football games on Friday night. So they did me a big favor. But when I told my mother that, it didn't occur to me that there simply weren't women sportscasters back then. And what had happened is in my high school, there was a broadcast crew. And uh, one morning, for no apparent reason, I took all the sports announcements and the other guys on the crew said, you can't do that. You're a girl. You're not allowed to read the sports. Wow. Yeah. And I got mad. And I Good went for you. Yeah. And the teacher happened to be the, the director of all the plays in the school. So I was in all his plays. And he goes, if she wants to read the sports, let her read the sports. So I did. And the guys got annoyed. So they they gave me theme music and it was the theme to Mission Impossible. Dan, 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 right? And they, they started introducing me as Big Anne with the sports. They were trying to humiliate me, but I yeah. kind of liked it. And uh, people, all the, the coaches and the players started giving, handing me personally the, the, the stories about the teams. So it made perfect sense to me that when I went to college, I would get to be a sportscaster. Of course, when I went to college, all my professors said, you will never, ever be one. You're a girl. <sighs> and yeah. I got communications. They did allow me to cover sports at my university. However, the football coach, the basketball coach, and the baseball coach all refused to speak to me. So what I learned is that all the other teams were delighted for any coverage. You know, the wrestling team, the swimming team, the gymnastic team, the soccer team, they, were, they never got any attention. So they were delighted when I would come out to interview them. Well, that was great. Got my degree, got out of school, moved to Washington, D.C., and, and couldn't find a single place that would even let me apply. Hmm. Wow. So I became a waitress in a fancy Georgetown restaurant, which was kind of like living in a candy store. It was lovely, great fun. And uh, my parents came down and had an intervention. They said, <laughs> we put you through college to be a waitress. 
And I said, well, mom, I'm not just a waitress because a funny thing happened in Washington. One night I went to a Washington Capitals game. I grew up in an arena. I'm at the hockey game with my aunt and her friend was an amateur ice hockey official. And he was bemoaning the fact that there simply weren't any women officials. And my aunt goes, well, Annie can skate. It never occurred to her or me that hockey skates and figure skates were different. Um, I, I Do you guys know the difference? Um, I know they're different, but I, I can't yes. tell you exactly why. Figure skates have toe picks. Okay. On the, yeah. and la lazy, bad skaters like me, you get up on your toe picks, you land on your toe picks. But hockey skates don't have any. So um, I'd never been on the skates before I went to do my first hockey game. And they were five-year-old little kids, you know, with their jerseys down to their ankles, leaning on those little sawed-off sticks with their... <laughs> <laughs> and I skated out there, took the puck. I'm ready for my first face off. And I fell and I'm lying on the ice looking at five-year-olds and I, I couldn't stand up. And I, I kept digging my toe picks that I had none into the ice. I fell taking my first face off three times. Just quite that inauspicious start on my drive home. I went, this is how I'm going to be a sportscaster because I was before title nine. I didn't have a whole lot of options to play sports really. And I realized that I didn't know enough about football, baseball, ice hockey, soccer, and basketball to be a competent reporter. So yeah. I decided to become an official in those five main team spectator sports uh, for five years so that I could learn the games. And that is exactly what I did. And that's what I'm trying to convince my parents. Look, I'm not just a referee, mom. Uh, I'm in a, a waitress. I'm a referee. And she didn't get it. And uh, I believe there was some forward thinking news director somewhere who would understand that I was understood the sports. Because who understands? Yeah. Only the people who read the rule books. And those are only the officials. So, um, yeah, that's exactly what happened. I, I was 28 years old before I got a job in sports broadcasting. But after that, I worked for five TV stations, three newspapers and three magazines. So I guess I got that now eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Bravo for your tenacity. I'm yeah. just Terrific. That's, I, say no to me and I will prove you wrong. Yep. Yeah. That's what it takes. And, and I'm very, you know what? I am, I'm very delighted that people did tell me no, because maybe I wouldn't have tried as hard. You know, if it had been easy, maybe I would have yeah. gotten hard with it, you know? You know, it's amazing. I think sports is one of the last areas of broadcasting women actually were venturing. And it, it really has only been, I want to say, within the last 10, 15 years, mm -hmm. you're seeing more of it. Well, and even that, there's not a whole lot. Yeah. No, and the problem is, is that there still aren't good jobs for women in sports. When I was in sports, I mean, come on, it was before the before we had streaming and before there was cable, and cable had just started. So the bottom line is every every town had NBC, ABC, and CBS, and they all had two sportscasters. And that was it. Those yep. were the only jobs in broadcasting. Mm -hmm. All these years later, it really isn't that much better uh, big cities, they always have one woman on the on the staff. But the bottom line is, when you see women nationally, what are they doing? What's the one job they give to women sportscasters? I don't, um, don't sideline sideline reporter, which right. is the worst job in broadcasting. Yeah. It should not exist. We should not be asked to put a microphone in the face of a coach whose team is down fifty to nothing at halftime. Mm. It's it's horrible, and it was invented so that. So that networks and stations can say, look, aren't we great? We got a woman on the sidelines. Sure, well, we have a token female. Yes, right. and they almost never talk about sports. They talk about injuries. Oh, I think he blew out his ACL, Bob. We'll learn more later. That They should just put a nurse down there. <laughs> they don't need to Just put a nurse yeah. with a microphone. So yeah, it bothers me because why don't we have women in the booth? Why aren't there women calling play by play in color? Why don't we, when they have the panels of six guys on, you know, the NFL Today shows, why can't they ask a woman, why can't they put a woman in there? Now, some of them do briefly, but mostly they don't. So there's still, really, there hasn't been that much upward trajectory for women in sports broadcasting, in my opinion. What do you think is a barrier to entry now with the push toward diversity and all of that? And you would think that they would want to maybe change that trend. Um, part of it is that in television, it's a visual medium. What does that mean? It means that you have to be hot. So 
Ah. Unless you have some big background, you know, you're Olympic gold medalist and you're discussing your sport, you have to look pretty damn good on camera. And when I was teaching, my students got frustrated. The little girls in my class were like, well, they can't tell you what to wear, how that, how to look. I said, absolutely, they can. Oh, yeah. Every single station I went to, they stood me in front of a consultant and they said, I hate your hair. I hate your jewelry. I hate your makeup. I hate your clothes. We're going to fix you now. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and these girls were astonished. And you did it. I said, they signed my paycheck. I said, mm-hmm. if it isn't illegal or immoral, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And they were yeah. very upset. But what that means is that, especially it happened to me, I mean, you age out. Here I didn't become mm-hmm. a sportscaster until I was 28. By the time I was pushing 40, after working at five TV stations, including Anchoring Sports Center, I couldn't get a job anywhere because I was pushing 40 and I wasn't pretty enough to be in front of a camera anymore. You know, oh. and they have the double standard with women. On oh, that. yes. Who cares what men look like? Right. You know? Well, yeah. A lot of society thinks, you know, a man could be, totally toothless and still be really sexy and attractive <laughs> or, you know? or, or useful. How about just useful? You know, for yeah. me, for me, when yeah. I'm 40 and suddenly I can't do the job that I wanted my whole life. I mean, it was awful. Yeah. Um, I couldn't get a job. I was, I had a messy divorce and um, I, I came back to Phoenix where I'd worked two years before I was in, uh, in ES, at ESPN. I, I was homeless and I had a, and I had two dogs and four cats. And oh my goodness! I, I had a dear friend who said, "Get in your car and drive back to Phoenix." I said, "You live in a condo. I have two big dogs and four cats." She said, "Bring them." And so I put two big dogs, four cats, in my little tiny geo prism, and I drove across the country with them back to Phoenix. And uh, yeah, I did it uh, while I did work for the Suns. Those uh, the two years after that, it was you know just a seasonal job. So basically, I was unemployed. And I could not get anyone to hire me to do anything. I went to a sports bar. I'm a good bartender. I went in and said, look, I can entertain your clients even when they're sober. And they looked me up and down. And very clearly, I wasn't hot enough to be behind their bar. Uh, Yeah, so I I struggled. I did a great deal of feeling sorry for me. mm -hmm. And finally, somebody said, you should be a teacher. I'm like, I don't want to be a teacher. I have no desire to be a teacher. And they said, but you've spent your life around kids. And they were right. Because as an amateur sports official, I did high school football, baseball. um, And I finally decided, just like you did, go back to school at 42, change Mm -hmm. careers. And I I went back to school for two years to get a teaching cert because my journalism degree wasn't quite enough for them. And I ended up teaching for 20 years in an inner city school in Phoenix, you know, title one. Look at you go. Everybody (laughs) lives in poverty. And and, and I will say, even with officiating where they didn't accept me because I was a woman and sports casting, teaching was the hardest job I ever had because I can me do anything, but to make a hundred kids do something, that's really hard. Oh my God. Especially adolescent, that's even tougher. High school. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's brutal. You you deserve an award just for that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. My goodness. The fascinating thing about that though is I, I never I couldn't have any children, and that bugged me when I was younger. And then I got over it. And then I became a mom. I became a foster mom because I was a teacher. And so oh. I look back and go, oh well, I wish I'd stayed a sportscaster. But then I wouldn't have been a teacher, and I wouldn't be a mom. Yeah, have, that's right. I have four kids today, all in their twenties. Um, yeah. And because they were uh, my former students who ended up homeless mm-hmm. or ended up in the foster care system. So I, I wouldn't change anything, even though all, even though I went through some bad years, I wouldn't change any of it. Yeah, because everything that happens to us, whether good or bad, leads us to the next level in our life. And that level actually requires us to personally change and view our viewpoints. And in order to do that, you need to go through it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's and, how you and, learn and grow and get a backbone and look back and you're like, well, and, and you, you just said it, had I not, had I been a sportscaster, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have these four kids. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, the weird thing is I, I used to tell my students, I said, who wants to be happy 24 hours a day, every day of your life. And they all raised their hands. I'm like, well, if you're happy all the time, how do you know it? If you haven't gone through the low parts of your life, how can you appreciate happiness? 
So I, I really, I look back on those times and the struggles because, you know, I took a lot of crap for being an official and for being a sportscaster. And and I still would do it because it, it makes the happy times so much better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. But you know, like I speak to a lot of youth. Um, now what I do everywhere I travel, I make a point. Like I'll give you an example. I, I go to Barbados or, or the Caribbean islands. I make a point of uh, before I go organizing with all the schools that I go, I'm going to go talk to the kids. I'm going to go talk to the youth, whether it's a little, little tykes about good touch, bad touch, or I'm going to go talk to the young girls or there, there's juvenile homes that are only strictly boys. And I make a point of, you know, reaching out to them because they're the most vulnerable. Um, and I know, and, and I, and I, I question myself a lot, like how uh, could I ever be a teacher? And I'm like, yes, yeah, no, yes, I bet you could. I bet you could. Because that's the most important thing is to understand young people. We can help young people. Once you're a grown up, we can't do much with you, quite honestly. Yeah. Especially like where I taught, where many kids had no parents or the parents yeah. were drug addicts or the kids were abused or horrible, yeah. horrible stories all the time. To have someone like you go into a school and to show an interest in them is huge. And I wish more people would do it. You know, like when I go down there, I bring my coveralls, I have the, I bring my hard hat, I bring, I have these giant fists that I bought at, for 10 bucks at Walmart at, at, at uh, like their Hulk hands, Hulk fists. Yeah. during Halloween and I bring those because I, I I get them to put them on and empower themselves to say you know even though your your situation might suck right now you can change it you know yeah so I go down there and I talk about careers and I talk about yes I talk about sexual abuse but I also talk about change and hope and strength and courage and fighting back and having that voice and you know and it makes all the difference in the world like uh the the, the feedback I get and you know every time I go back like I'm going back in again in Barbados in in April to see these schools and I see the the growth in, in these students and it, it just it makes me cry because it's beautiful to see from where they were two years ago to you know to now um, I even go to prisons and I do the same thing right and it, it's 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 quite it's quite empowering for me to to, to it's like watching that, that the caterpillar turn into the butterfly yeah yes exactly yeah which is wonderful so Anne, what would you say carried you through? Certainly you had a lot of adversity and sexism, which is more than aggravating. And it's still out there today, which is beyond belief. Mm -hmm. um, you know, women got the right to vote in the United States just a little over 100 years ago. And we have made a lot of progress and a lot of strides. But there still is the sexism, the ageism, the the garbage women have to put up with. You know, women, it's a lot more work to look perfect. Men don't have to do that. What carried you through all of that? Probably being stubborn. <laughs> but I will tell you, it is, it is frustrating. Last spring, I taught at Arizona State University, and which convinced me I don't want to teach anymore, I think. Because one of the, there were a bunch of things that happened, but one of them was, you know, at the end of the year, they rate the instructor and uh, one of the kids put up and post, it gets posted. And it says the next time ASU hires someone to teach sports reporting, it should be someone younger. Oh, wow. And this I was like, ugh. I was like, are you kidding me? Chris Berman is probably the best known sportscaster in our country. He made ESPN. He's yeah. two months younger than I am. Do you think if Chris Berman was teaching that sports reporting class, anybody would have said that? No. It no. Was I was a woman. No. 
and these were students saying this they did oh yeah um Uh, they did and uh i knew going in that you know i i have a it's a small class upper level sophomores juniors seniors they all want to be sports journalists i have a whole bunch of experience there but i walk in and they look at me like who the hell is this old lady and, and so what I did is I went around the room, I asked each student, what, what exactly do you want? Why do you want to be in sports reporting? Okay, fine. And then I stood in the front of the room. I knew I had to do it. I said, okay, now what am I doing here? Why am I the one teaching you sports reporting? And I said, you have 10 minutes to find out. And you, you're going to write a 500 word uh, story about me by midnight tonight. It's due tomorrow morning. And and they're looking at me uh, because if I don't do that, I said, Google me. If I don't don't do that, they don't think I'm worthy. That's right. And and I find anytime I do speaking engagements with kids, it's the same thing. I'm like, look, I deserve to be here. But when I walk in, I'm a almost 68 year old woman. And I walk in and they look at me like, who the hell is this? So I still get that look even mm. though there are more women out there. But yeah. but as I explained before, those women that they want to look at in sports broadcasting are all young, hot-looking women. Cheesecake. And the idea, sports, yeah. sports, it was pointed out to me once that the average, that the target audience in sports is 18 to 34-year-old males. And once you're over 34, they're not looking at you anymore. Hmm. So what do you do with that? You know, at this point, I, I don't even care. I, I've had my hair every different way you could ever have it because I was on television. Now so. it's about an inch long because I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care. <laughs> well, you know, I'm like, it can't be always just about my hair. I was on ESPN one night. I did a great show, <laughs> called my mother, said, hey, mom, did you watch the show? She said, yes, I hated your hair. Oh, oh, I'm like, great, mom. mom, even you, even you. Did you hear anything I said? Yeah. <laughs> You know, I find it just amazing that students just last year with the 21st century, that they would be so ageist and sexist. Shame on them. Oh, they have no shame on them. They have you. You better not, especially in college, make anyone feel uncomfortable because of who they are. But they have absolutely no problem with dissing old people. They really don't. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yet, and of course, to them, anybody over 40 is ancient. You know. when, I was in, when I was teaching high school, I just for the hell of it said, okay, guys, what do you think is old age? Hold the class. They decided that you're old when you're 24. Oh, my gosh. I went, in 30 years, call me. See how you feel about right. that. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> But, you know, a lot of it, it's the messaging, I think, especially in North America, you know, the TNA, the cheesecake, you know. Um, oh, I know. And as well, much look at social media, it's mm-hmm. I see my former students, brilliant girls, some in college and everything. And they're they're in the little, you know, strapless stuff, showing their butts and kissing the the, the screen, if you know what I mean. Oh, sure. You know? And, and I'm like, is that all you're doing, ladies, is is showing your butt on the mm-hmm. Internet? Yeah. I said, can yeah. we not do that, please? It's not really necessary. Let's see what you've accomplished in life so yes. far. Yeah. But they don't put that on there. It's the cheesecake photos and the cleavage. Right. I can tell we still have a ways to go. No doubt. You know, like even, even uh, in my world, heavy equipment uh, operating, and truck driving there other than going to um the women in trucking conference in dallas where there was 1700 women there it was freaking awesome but other up until that moment like there's you barely see women operating heavy equipment especially the wow. large equipment like we have 170 on our crew and we are now whittled down to seven women you know and they're not rehiring like other women it just seems to it's almost as if they they put on that um okay sure you know women are great but yet they barely hire us <laughs> yeah you know? but but you know i will say one thing about looks and it's totally wrong but it's totally true if you're good looking you get to step in front of the line you do and, <laughs> and no one likes to admit that but it's true and then when you're no longer that good looking, it still bugs me. I used to be able to you know, turn some heads. And now I'm like, oh, 
no one's even looking. <laughs> you know what, what I get a kick Ooh. out of is I make a point of bringing femininity into the world of, of, of the trades of, you know, of, of heavy equipment. I mean, I, my book, all my book events, everywhere I go and I do a lot of public speaking, um, I make sure I got the nails, the, you know, the hair, the, the heels, the nice, sexy clothes, the dress, just because people have an image of what they think a woman heavy equipment operator looks like. And when they I look understand. at me, like at all my book events, even in Barnes and Noble, they look at me and I have a six foot high poster with three, three foot wide because all you see is my truck. And I put that on the cover and I, here I am in, in beside standing beside the wheel in my little cover also. They look at me all dolled up, all pretty. And then they look at the job and they're like, you can't, that's not you. There's no exactly. way. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, I did the exact same thing, especially when I, I, I was umpiring baseball and, and refereeing football because the guys would see me on the field and I'm a mess, of course, because I'm officiating. Yeah. And yeah. then whenever there were banquets or people went out afterwards, I did the same thing. Did my hair, yeah. did my makeup, did, got dressed up. And I often called games and went out and everybody's after the game. They didn't know I was the same person. Yeah. Right. And I, they had this idea of what a woman umpire is supposed to look like. And sure. I was doing exactly what you did. I, I'm yeah. trying to make you understand it's not a stereotype. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And when I'm at work, people, because now I, I'm, you know, quite public. And so all my coworkers, well, how come you don't look like it like that when you're at work? Like, I can't reel. I mean, yeah. come on. You're playing that takes too people. much effort. <laughs> There's so much effort. Yeah. Besides, we all have the same costumes. We all look like Smurfs. So whatever. <laughs> so, oh. so, Anne, why do you think women are still pigeonholed? I think we've made progress and we are making progress, but it seems like people still want to put us in that gilded cage. <laughs> um, I, I was talking to my partner about this the other night and he we um, someone asked me about the people that have accepted me in those roles that are not usually for women and the ones who have not. And, and I, we came to one conclusion that the men who didn't accept me were the ones who were not horribly successful, like in sports, like the people that have been, the, the professional players who are broadcasters would be nice to me, but the guys who never made their high school team, mm -hmm. they, they were crappy. Okay. And, and so I, I think some of that was a little bit of, of, I don't know, a little jealousy or something, yeah. but I yeah. People, yeah. some people are still raised to think women are supposed to be staying at home, raising the kids. Hey, and even working. in the mind, there's still men that think that women don't belong there. Oh, of course. Of course. And I, I I'm very fortunate that, that, uh, for example, I, are you guys, either one of you football fans? Um, I watched the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let me explain something on a football field. Um, there's only one referee. Everybody, it's a good way to win beer. How many referees are on a football field? Every level of football is the same. There's only <laughs> one referee. The referee's the one with the white hat. Right. The referee's the one in charge. They're the crew chief. Everybody else wears a black hat. And they're, they're umpires and side judges and back judges. They have different positions. But the yeah. referee and crew chief is the boss. So my mm -hmm. first 14 years of officiating, I kept getting thrown off football crews because the men said, we're never going to get the state championship with you on our crew because you're a woman. Wow. And they were right. Wow. Absolutely right. So one day I said, screw it. I'm going to become the referee. I'm going to become the one in charge. And I'm going to stand in a meeting of 500 men. And I'm going to, I'm going to, when they say, okay, any referees who need people on your crew stand. And, and then people would come to you to be on your crew. And I stood up, I said, I'm a referee. And it took a lot of work. It wasn't that easy. But the men who joined my crew understood that they were never going to get the 5A state championship. They were, and that we would work hard, have a good time. They'd learn a lot because I'm a damn good official. And um, that that's what, it, and then would take crap for being on my crew. And yet I had men who stayed with me 14 years, 12 years. Uh, we never got God, I like you. Yeah. <laughs> The bottom line is they knew what they were getting. Love your I'm attitude, the boss, guys. Yeah, and there you go. Yeah, yeah, for 24 years I was the referee, so um, I miss that. Uh, I, I also yeah. miss sometimes when I walk off the field at the end of a game, fans would go, "Oh my God, the ref's a girl." 
And uh, I'd go, yeah. And then I'd get offended because they couldn't tell I was a woman. You know, it's like, oh, that's great that you didn't know I was a woman. So I must be a pretty good referee, but I must be a pretty unattractive woman. So I don't know. Oh, oh my God. Did you find that, was there a lot of other women at all? Like, did you ever come across some? I know a friend of mine uh, out of, in LA, uh, his mom is a referee for some football, but uh, I can't remember rare. her name right off the top of the, off the, right yeah. now, but. There are, there's some, and I, I went to football camp a couple years up in Reno and believe it or not, officials have camps. I actually went to umpire school for five weeks, me and 105 men. Um, oh. but, but one year there were four, there were five women. It was fascinating. And going back to getting dressed up here, we were, we did the whole camp. We're all a mess all the time. And the night before they had a banquet at the end. And I, we all got dressed up. We all, it was like being in college again. And we're all getting dressed up. We're doing each other's makeup. And you should have seen those guys when we all marched into that banquet. Yeah. Who the hell are those girls? Yeah. But, but no, generally I have met very few women. Uh, the 25 years or so I've been in Arizona, uh, there have been like one or two will show up every year, but they mostly leave. And sometimes yeah. it's because they've been hounded out of it. Um, I, we, yeah. have, we have a woman here who was maybe a hundred pounds, little tiny woman, and she worked. And and one night in a varsity game, the guys made her go in at umpire. And the umpire in a football game is the one in the defensive backfield. So that means the runners are heading that way. Um, and she got hit and oh. broke her orbital bone and her her cheek. And oh and wow, they, you know what? Goodness. Most men won't work that position. They did it intentionally to embarrass her and, and to she set her up her. Yeah. yeah they did Ugh. and um honestly i i wouldn't have taken that bait um umpire being an umpire in the nfl there aren't even umpires anymore they've repositioned them because every year three umpire uh, football officials lost their ended their careers with, with career-ending injuries so yeah they do stuff like that and and so women just maybe other women are smarter than me and just don't stick around <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that you're a trailblazer and this is this yeah. is how women do make progress inch and, by and what, inch, you know. And what you said earlier about being stubborn, I I I'm stubborn too, but stubborn is a quality. It has got mm -hmm. me where I am today. Yeah. It has yeah. pushed me. It is like the root of who I am and I I use it as as a as a force, as a driving yeah. force. It doesn't people say, "Oh, you're stubborn." Yeah, and that's why I succeed. <laughs> it's a virtue. Yet, it really yet is. Yes, being stubborn is considered negative. And I don't get that, but, you know, if you, especially if you're a woman, it's not stubborn. It's you're pushy. Uh, right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I agree. You either you if, if you're not stubborn, you probably won't be very successful. And I, I don't mean you have to be no. a jerk about it, but, no, but they I, give I wasn't going to let people right. run me off. Yeah, and I was heartbroken when I had to retire from football. I, I called my last game in 2019. I have a degenerative mm. spine. I've had rotator cuff surgery twice. I broke, I, 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 yeah, everything. Remember when they told us sports were good for us? Yeah. That yeah. was a lie. That was a lie. <laughs> if I was ever abducted and dismembered, they could identify me from, from any piece because they've all been x-rayed in MRI. So I had to retire. And honestly, I, I cried when I walked off the field. Yeah, and I, I miss that every day. Don't miss teaching, <laughs> yeah. but I, I really miss football. I enjoy I, I know, like, walking out there. Yeah. Like even my career here is, is I, I'm thinking it might be coming to an end here. I've been there 10 years, Um, you know, in the next five years for sure, I'll be done. And I think I, every time I go to work, just when a giant truck pulls up, you know, the size of the house and I'm, I look up at this thing and I think that's my ride, man, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and my job, when I leave, I'm going to, I'm going to be miss it because it's been such a positive impact in my life. It um, is very yeah. hard as, as a retired, I'm, I'm retired from teaching. I'm retired from officiating. I'm retired from sports broadcasting and each one of those things, they were such big parts of my life. Yeah. And yeah. I struggle. I, I've been retired from all of that, like two and a half years. I still struggle with it. Yeah. I'm used to running everywhere all the time. I, I have school. I got to work out. I got a game. I got, you know, and, mm -hmm. and now I don't have that. So, yeah, I'm a little bit trying to work it out. <laughs> I know, yeah. Now what? Right. But yeah. now you're an inspiration for women. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> and, and you know, and I think with your your knowledge and your experience, maybe you might be able to shift some of the 20 somethings or uh 
teenagers' yeah. attitudes on ageism. Yeah. I mean, I find and, and certainly sexism. It's uh, uh, I will I will say something, and this is gonna kind of cut the education system here. One of the other reasons I really don't want to go back and teach in college is I couldn't believe this happened. Eight weeks into the semester of these kids who all want to be professional journalists, half of them weren't putting their names on their assignments. No good grief. Their names. What? Now, <laughs> I want, I'm a writer. I'm an author. I want a byline. I want my oh, name yeah. and my work in great big letters. Exactly. So I said, you got to have a byline and your documents need to be labeled with your name. They didn't yeah. do it. Eight weeks into the semester. So wow. I, I said, okay. We're done. As of this next assignment, if you don't put your name on it, you're getting a zero. Good for you. Yeah. Okay. Good. I thought that was finest. And that's what four kids got zeros. And I said, wow. well, don't worry. I gave them four ways to make up the points. I get a call from my boss ordering me into his office, telling me I have no right to give them zeros. They complained. Oh, and wow. I went, wait a minute. Yes. I would expect a third grader. To know to yeah. put their name on the work. And this is the oh, Walter yeah. Cronkite School of Journalism. He was rolling over in his grave. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. And um, he said, you can't do that. I said, they can make up the points. He said, that's not enough. You give them their points back. And I went, you know what? I don't think I want to do this anymore. I, I mean, yeah. I did. I gave their points back, finished the semester, got told I was too old. Um, but yeah, I was like, I don't even understand that at all. No. Yeah. And it, it's really remarkable that this attitude has evolved. I'm wondering if it's gotten worse over the past 15 years with social media. Uh, well, I don't know if it's so much social media. It's that um, we're not holding kids accountable. And as a high school teacher, um, it was very difficult. A lot of teachers just kind of gave up, I think. And mm -hmm. I, I was teaching journalism and communication skills and now don't get me wrong, there are situations where you monitor and adjust. I had a child who had a had a had a brain tumor. Mm -hmm. And the other teachers were like, well, she can't do her calculus. I'm like, that this kid got dressed up and got to school with a brain injury. I think we should cut her a little slack. But generally, I think they don't hold the kids accountable enough. They really don't. Yeah. And they yeah. and we don't keep anyone behind. There's no holding the kid back if they fail. So once they get to me in high school and I tell them over and over, if you don't pass the classes, you can't graduate. But they don't get that because they've failed their whole, you know, in elementary school and middle school, and they just keep moving them along. So by the time they get to me, they don't believe it. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. you can fail me. Yes, we can. You got to yep. pass the curriculum. That's so right. yeah. uh, I think then you have these same kids um, get to college and I could pick out the kids whose mommies and daddies went to school and defended them and didn't didn't make, you know, you didn't make the team. I'm going to go yell at the football coach. This teacher doesn't like me. That's why I didn't get a good grade. No, you didn't do the work and you're not a good yeah. enough player. Yeah. Oh, oh. But they don't want to do that. In my school, they got rid of honor roll because they felt it made the kids who didn't make the honor roll feel bad. That's the participation trophy. Oh my gosh, but... don't get me on that. I'm so offended by that. You know, I've always thought in terms of a participation trophy, that whole idea that the kids get it, I think from the day one when a baby's born, the mother should get the participation trophy because what did the yes. kids do? Mom did all the work. Yeah, well, and here's parents seem so afraid to let their children fail. Children need to fail. That yeah. is how learn. Yep. I have learned more from my failure. You never learn from winning. I had a mother run up to me after a game. It was their team lost. She's screaming at me on the field that her child had never, ever been on a losing team. I said, I'm really sorry for you. I said, your child needs to learn how to win and lose gracefully. That's yep. why yep. we're in sports, to learn about life, to learn about business, you know, learning to be a team yeah. player, learning to, to get yep. back up when you fall down, That's right. learning punctual, learning to be responsible. Um, mm -hmm. I, this, these are business skills. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I read a fascinating fact, 90% of the women in C-suite positions in all the cor big corporations were athletes. Oh, interesting. In high school or college, okay. because we know that sports teach business skills. Yeah. Um, but let's face it, so does marching band, so does being in a play. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. we encourage, I always encourage kids, please participate in extracurricular activities because these are the things that are going to make you find out what you like to do, what you're yeah. good at, 
and what someone might pay you to do. That's right. Yeah. A career. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think somehow parents are so hysterical that their kid ever fails or gets their feelings hurt. They should get their feelings hurt. And, and stand yeah. Up. yeah, that's life. Yeah. That's the way yeah. life is, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Trucking Moves America Forward, or TMAF, is building a positive image of trucking by telling the story of the hardworking drivers and industry professionals who support the industry. And you can be a part of it. Learn more about TMAF and how you can join and be a part of the industry movement working to build a strong image of trucking by visiting TMAF's website at truckingmovesamerica.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our latest channel, TikTok. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. You know, I, I made a post yesterday about failure and I put a picture of the, of the dozer that I operate and how hard it is. And I'm writing that failure is my strength because it's when I fail and when I'm frustrated and when I'm like, you know, questioning my, like my motives and who I am and what I want and my goals, that is where change happens in that moment. Right. And when, but you, if, when, yep. you can, when you yeah, make it a mistake, failure is so negative. No, it's a positive thing. Yes, and I'll tell you, as an official, I, I've made some horrendous errors on the field. Um, and guess what? I usually never make that same mistake again. Yeah. So yeah. How else do we learn? It, and you know, right now I'm I'm also an author, and and I'm in the process of my agent of 14 years just retired. So I'm a free agent. I don't have an agent right now. So I've got two manuscripts I'm trying to sell. Talk about failure! I've, mm. I've contacted 60 agents. I mean, every day it's like, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. And I'm like, I, you have to have a thick skin. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm forcing children to not ever be disappointed how are they going to develop a thick skin they aren't they're, right. they're going to be super fragile all their lives yeah. and life is not like that and that's why we have this show to empower and inspire people to work through their failures and to succeed and yeah. people like you are wonderful examples and you right. have made super big inroads for women you're one of the trailblazers. I mean, absolutely about it. You're you're kind of like a Barbara Walters of sports. Oh, now I'm gonna cry. <laughs> my mother, who my my mother, who is 98, still reads the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and watches the news, and will tell you she's losing her mind, but can tell you about what's happening anywhere on the planet. Uh, was a reporter <laughs> in the 1950s. Wow. Okay. Wow. You would have thought she would have been delighted. I wanted to be a reporter. Yeah. Now, if I wanted to be Barbara Walters. That would have been great, but uh, she didn't get the sports bit. You know, she 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 didn't understand that part. Hmm. But you're a trailblazer. If it wasn't for Barbara Walters, because I I was in high school or in college, uh, in high school and college when she came up, maybe I would have never gotten the idea. Now, I saw her on TV and I went, oh well, she's on TV. Why can't yeah, I be on? Exactly. Yeah. So I'm guessing yeah. that 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 probably gave me some motivation. Sure. So you've got a victory there. You've inspired others. You know, girls need to see that. I mean, it's what you yes, see uh, because they model what they see. That's just yep. the way it is. And you've been a wonderful model. And certainly there's progress. There's a lot of progress that women need to make. It's, it's breaking through that glass ceiling or that barn door, whatever we need to do. Mm -hmm. uh, but we can do it for sure. What would you say, Anne, is the biggest characteristic that women need to have to make these inroads? Certainly, you you had those characteristics and you kept doing it. I think we have to get back up when we've been knocked down. Yep. And mm -hmm. and that's hard to do sometimes. I mean, when when lots of voices are against you, and I, I've been in rooms where there are 400 men and just me. And I've been in classrooms where we have rules clinics and things where I'm the only woman all the time. And I understand some men make it very, very clear that they don't want me there. Mm -hmm. And I ignore them. I ignore them. Good and you. you have to, you have to get over. Look, my attitude, I'm not going to tell you, I never cried. I did, but I didn't do it in front of anybody. 
Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Cried. <laughs> yeah. I was never going to, you know, that old adage, never let them see you cry. I believe that. And I think women, we, we get our feelings hurt and we tend to, oh gosh, you're going to hate that I say this. Uh, women are generally more emotional than men. They are. I think we are. It's just nature made us that way. Yeah. But I think you can't get so crushed by the cruel things people do. And I've had some pretty cruel things done to me. And you just have to keep going. Um, when I was at ESPN, some of those people were horrible. They did things to make me look bad on the air. Um, they put me down and and I yeah. could have just given up. And, and I just wasn't willing to do that. And I wasn't willing to let them see me when I was hurt. So I, I think we need to toughen up maybe. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, an old shovel operator um, at the beginning of the set, he's been operating for, I don't know, something like 35 years, 40 years, whatever. And um, he's kind of scary. He kind of reminds me of the Grinch. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm dozing. I'm, I'm cleaning up his shovel pit. And he gave me a lid call. And he says, how do you think you're doing? And I said, well, you know, I, I said, I know I'm making mistakes and I'm, 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 but I, you know, I'm working hard and I'm trying this and that. And he says, the best piece of advice I'm ever, that you'll ever hear. And he says, I'm going to give it to you right now. He says, take the emotion out of it. Yes. He says, you're yeah. women. We're, you're different than men. He says, the best thing you're going to do in what you're going to get frustrated. You're, you know, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do all that. Take the emotion out of it, Kathy. And you know what? I, for the rest of the set, because I work 14 on, um, I did that. And when I was getting frustrated, I just stopped and I had a stop and think moment. And I'm like, okay, okay, let's just regroup here. <laughs> Right? Yeah. And he said, make it a game. You're in a sandbox. Play with the equipment. Be aggressive. You know, don't just putz around. He says the machines are built for this. And but, so you know, we don't teach girls this. We don't no. teach girls to go out and try hard. And and you know, it, it's I'm gonna anger people here, but it's it's the cheerleader conundrum. Yeah. I hate I hate the idea of cheerleaders. I really mm -hmm. do. And and people get upset with that. But my attitude is I don't want girls standing on the sidelines cheering for guys. I want girls on the field, working hard, sweating, falling down. And we don't we don't push girls enough to do that. Yeah. And yeah. it bothers right. me because because I think you learn you learn, Kathy, by being on on your truck and trying things. And maybe sometimes it's scary and maybe sometimes it doesn't work. But then you go try it again. I yep. don't think we're instilling that in girls enough. I think mm -hmm. you're right. Yep. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. We need more people like you, Anne. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yep. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Kathy DeCaro is nothing short of amazing. She not only drives the world's biggest truck as a heavy equipment operator in Northern Alberta, Canada. She's an international motivational speaker and the author of Dream Big, an autobiography about overcoming a lifetime of trauma and abuse that led to dreams of success. Kathy inspires people the world over to change their lives and improve their self-worth. Her book will change your life. She's passionate about personal growth and believes anyone can change their circumstances and overcome their obstacles if they believe in themselves. Her life will amaze you and seriously inspire you. Be sure to order a copy of her book, Dream Big, on Amazon.com. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. Where do people find your books? Do you have a website? Yes, I do. AnnMontgomeryWriter.com. And that's Anne with an E. So it's AnnMontgomeryWriter.com. 
Um, I have five published books right now. And, and the irony in my world is that I don't write about sports. <laughs> Everybody's like, why do you, why do you write sports at all? I'm like, I, I'm not interested anymore. I, I write about yeah. issues. Um, when I became a teacher and I realized what a spoiled brat I'd been growing up with my title one students, I, um, I ran a support group for a while, girls who'd been raped, for example, and, you know, kids who parents in prison and foster care and all that. And I found myself writing novels about issues like that. I mean, I, I have a, a book about a serial rapist in a national park. Um, I have I have one about archaeological looting, strangely. Um, I have one about a cult here in Arizona where I live uh, that, you know, with men marrying th 12 and 13 year old girls and having 80 wives. What that was like. Um, so I write about all kinds of different things that have nothing to do with sports. So it's I didn't provoking. Disappoint anybody if they went looking for sports books. <laughs> no, but these are thought-provoking novels. Those those are important. Yeah. And and you're bringing all of your knowledge and insight and your sage wisdom. See, that's oh, what we have. When we get over the age of 40, we start having some wisdom that we sure as heck didn't have when we were 20. <laughs> now, you remember when you were 20 and you knew everything? Oh, yes. And then hit 40 and yeah. you knew nothing? Uh-huh. Oh, I yeah. think we start over again. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Anne. This has been absolutely wonderful having you on. And what's your website again so that people can check that out? It's AnneMontgomeryWriter.com. And again, that's Anne with an E. I really appreciate you being on the show with us. This has been marvelous. It really has, Anne. Um, well, I've enjoyed it. Oh, it's been absolutely delightful. You're my new hero. My God. Yeah. yeah thank you. And I, I like those big trucks. So I said, I'm a mineral collector. And, and I used to look at those trucks and wish I had one out in the desert when I collect here. I'm like, I wish I had a big truck to dig up the ground. But I would fix the ground when I'm done. I wouldn't leave a mess. Yeah. <laughs> it's been such a, it's so interesting talking with you. Thank you so much. I, again, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Anne. It's been great having you on the show. You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show or have a topic or feedback, email us at info at tncradio.live. Thank you for listening to another great interview on tncradio.live. And don't forget, be sure to subscribe to our podcast of Women Road Warriors it's free. All of the material you hear on tncradio.live on our website, our broadcasts, or our podcasts are copyrighted. There can be no distribution without the express consent of tncradio.live and its partners. For inquiries, write us at info at tncradio.live.